The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Someone shout, God wants me to prosper. God wants all of us to prosper, but it's for a specific reason. And uh, we said uh, last week there's a difference between the world's way of prosperity, and there's a difference between that and the religious way of prosperity and the kingdom way of prosperity. Those are all different. Amen? Uh, The religious way of prosperity uh, says something like this. You know, I just want to get... Uh, the little that I can so that I can pay all my bills and be comfortable. The religious way of prosperity is focused on self and taking care of self. It does not think about anybody else. It does not care about what everybody else is doing. It doesn't want to be a blessing uh, to anybody else. It's just a religious thing that makes you uh, feel good about yourself. You know, I'm doing well. God is taking care of me. And that's a religious way of prosperity. The, The world's way of prosperity which is also extreme, say something like this, you know, I've got to get everything that I can and I've got to can everything that I get and sit on the can. In other words, the the world's way of thinking is hoarding. Uh, the, the world way of thinking is, you know, I've got to get this dollar uh, 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 by all means necessary. If I have to kill people, I'm going to do it. If I have to backstab uh, for this promotion, uh, that's what I'm going to do because I really want to get ahead in life. And that's not a godly way of living our lives. The God kind of prosperity uh, that we see in Scripture is defined in Second uh, Corinthians chapter number 9, verse 8. And it says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency may abound unto every good work. And if you read it in the New Living Translation, it says, and God will generously provide all you need. It's interesting that he says in this kind of prosperity, God is our provider. In this kind of prosperity, your business may be the channel that God uses to provide for you, but your business is not your provider. Your job may be the channel that uh, God uses to provide for you, but your job is not your provider. It's not your source. Amen? Amen. So you don't have to commit suicide when you lose your job. You still have God. Amen? Amen. Amen. It says, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything that you need and plenty. Someone say plenty. And he tells us what we should do with the plenty. He says, and you will have plenty left over to share with others. This is the God kind of prosperity, where you have all your needs taken care of, and you also have plenty left over to share with others. And I want to draw your attention to the word placement in this verse. The word plenty is carefully placed on the sharing with others side of the ledger because that's the ultimate goal for prosperity. The ultimate goal uh, for prosperity is not to consume, is not to eat all you can, it is not to indulge in every desire that you may have. The ultimate goal for prosperity is to be a blessing. Amen? I said amen. Simply it's because you can only consume so much. I mean, you can only, even if you like cars, you can only, you know, have space for so many cars. Amen? 
uh, even if you like a home with uh, uh, many bedrooms, you can only have so much. I mean, how many bathrooms do you need to take care of business? Amen? <laughs> you just need one. But God will bless you. But that's not the goal for prosperity. Amen? God will provide generously everything that you need, but his ultimate goal is that you may have plenty left over to share with others. But this story actually starts in verse 7. I'm going to read in verse 7 of the same verse in the New Living Translation, and it says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly. In other words, don't give nonchalantly. You must put thought to your giving. Amen? I remember, you know, I was a Christian, uh, but I used to like clubbing while I was a Christian. I was just, you know, I was just in college and, you know, I'd go clubbing the previous night and then the next day I'm at church. And then when the offering basket would come, I would just put my hand in the pocket and whatever change I had left over from the club, that's what I would take and just nonchalantly, without any thought to it, just throw in the offering basket. The Bible instructs us not to do it reluctantly, amen, or without the desire to do it. It says don't do it reluctantly or in response to pressure. In other words, you don't have to wait until someone comes to you with a sob story for you to give. You should be thinking about giving before someone even brings it up because we are just givers by nature. Can I get an amen? God wants you to be a giver. So as we teach this prosperity, we have to have this perspective when it comes to the God kind of prosperity, that God wants us to prosper. He wants me to have millions, but it is not just so that I can consume. And I said last week, you know, some of you have been to these restaurants where they have eat all you can, you know, promotions, and you go there and, you're, you know, you promise yourself, man, I'm going to eat all I can. I'm, I'm, I'm targeting at least five plates. And most of you in here can, you know, testify that by about one and a half plates, you're done. You know, you feel like, man, I can't take any more. But how many of you know that you could cause some damage if you went in there with your friends in mind? with your family and your extended family in mind. I mean, just grabbing plates and handing them out. I mean, you could cause some real damage. And that's the thing is that you can take full advantage of the grace of prosperity that Jesus has made a provision for when you stop thinking about self, 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 me, myself, and I. When you move beyond just thinking about consuming upon yourself, when you start thinking about being a blessing, man, resources will start to find you. And so this scripture tells us what to do with plenty left over. Remember the gentleman in Luke chapter number 12? Jesus shares the story of the farmer who was getting ready to receive a bumper harvest. And all of it was not going to be able to fit into his barns. And he said within himself, what am I going to do with all this harvest? How many of you know what he should have done, at least based on 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8? He should have given it away. Amen. Because that's what we are told to do with extra, is to give it away. But he said within himself, I'm going to tear down the old barns, build bigger ones so that I can hoard. It's called the hoarding mentality. It emanates from a scarcity mindset that thinks that stuff is running out. So you want to hoard and keep it for yourself. Actually, Scripture says something about that in Proverbs 11:24. It says, there is he that scatters. And yet increases. That word scatter means to uh, extravagantly be generous. It says there is he that scatters, yet he increases. And then there is he that withholds more than his meat, yet it leads to poverty. 
This is God's system. War does never prosper. Stingy people just never prosper. It's a system that God set up, and unfortunately, you and I can't cheat the system. You know what we used to do in university where you don't study the entire semester and just one night before the exam, you go and study everything you can and you still pass? No, you can't cheat this system. (laughs) Amen? It's cheat proof. It's a system that God set up that you and I need to start cooperating with. What I'm trying to get you to do is to get you to start thinking differently about prosperity. It's not just for big cars. It's not for diamond rings and shiny suits. No, it's so that we can be a blessing to others. Can I get an amen? And so God wants us uh, to be blessed, and he wants us to give as well. And he says, but when we give, we should not give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Why? For God loves a person who gives out cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. And someone asked a question. They said, man, how how can I be a cheerful giver? And I had two answers uh, for them. Number one, the first way you can become a cheerful giver is to realize that you are just a steward of God's resources. You are not an owner. You are just a steward that God has entrusted with the resources uh, that have come into your hands. And let's go to First Chronicles chapter number 29, verse 14. First Chronicles chapter number 29, verse 14. In fact, the Lord taught me this principle a few years ago. The company I was working for decided they were going to buy me a brand new car. And so they bought me a car. And we had a little problem because I already had a car. The one that I had bought with my own money, with my own money, and I loved that car. I mean, I had made, uh, I had pimped the ride, if you will. I put a nice radio, nice wheels. I mean, this car was clean. And now I had two vehicles, and there was a little problem because I could only drive one at a time. How many know what I should have done with the extra vehicle based on First Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians, chapter number nine, verse eight? Give it away. That's what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, why don't you give it away? And I was like, I didn't hear that. He said, why don't you give it away? I said, I bind you. He said, why don't you give it away? And guess what? I ended up giving someone, you know, the vehicle. It blessed them and uh, ministered the love of God to them. But up until today, I can assure you, I've never had a challenge with transport. It doesn't matter which city I'm in. People just literally fight uh, 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 to pick me up and drop me off or give me cars and, and so on and so forth because I've dethroned uh, uh, the, the realm of cars to have authority over my heart, which we're going to deal with a little later. Uh, four years ago, I think I was with Pastor Henry. Maria Antinasha may have been there. I don't know if Sis Jabu was there. We were in Los Angeles, and uh, it was after the uh, uh, pastor's meeting, and someone's uh, parent who was at the conference just came and gave us a van in Los Angeles to drive around and use for the next six or seven days we were uh, in Los Angeles, and they gave it to us uh, with a full tank. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. (laughs) And when we gave it back, we also put a full tank in it. How many of you know that that's what you should do? (laughs) Someone blesses you with a car, when you give it back, make sure it's washed, and it's going to be a good steward. Amen? Amen? And not only did it happen that time, last year my wife and I, we're in Los Angeles, same city, and we were ministering. And someone just called us and said, hey, listen, I heard you are in the city. I have a car for you. And it turned out that the car was the kind of car, <laughs> as a pastor in Johannesburg, it was the kind of car that I couldn't drive here. <laughs> it was a drop-top, BMW. 
I said, can't a car, I couldn't drive here, otherwise I would be in the newspaper. So the Lord waited until I got out of town. <laughs> and then he blessed, he blessed me with a car. And then just last week, you know, we were hosting a few guys from church for lunch, and uh, we we're going to be in Los Angeles in a few weeks, and someone sent me a message, Dr. Pat Bailey, she sent me a message, she said, son, I heard you're going to be in Los Angeles, I have a car for you. And I said, thank you, ma'am. She said, would you like to see what kind of car it is? I said, oh, for sure. She sent me pictures, and it turned out it was a Porsche. <laughs> the kind of car I could never buy in Johannesburg as a pastor. <laughs> Forget about it, amen? Otherwise, I'd be in the sun. What is it called? <laughs> I'd be in the newspaper. Man, the church has enough flack already. I don't want to be pouring fire, uh, uh, fuel onto the fire. But God waits for me to get out of town, and I can still drive a Porsche, and no one will say anything about it. Amen? And it's not mine. But what I'm trying to say is this, is that stuff is not running out. Yeah. There's resources everywhere. Yeah. And they are available, and they are at your disposal. All you've got to do is turn your heart to the Lord, and man, you'll have access to all this stuff. Can I get an amen? So God wants you to realize that you are just a steward. So David, in 1 Chronicles 29, 14, after he had given offerings, uh, that probably would total 10 billion U.S. dollars today, him and Israel, towards the building of the church. This is what he said um, as he uh, made the conclusion to that offering. He said, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? He didn't look at it as an obligation. He looked at it as a privilege. Amen? He's saying, who am I that I get to be the one that gives generously to you, O oh God? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. So David's attitude was, God, we are giving you something that already belongs to you. That's the attitude of a steward. But the attitude of an owner is, why does the Lord want me to give you anything? Okay, I'm going to give, but you better realize that, you know, I'm taking this from, you know, and it just gives with a stinking attitude. In fact, that's what the children of Israel did. If you read Psalm 50, God rebuked them not for giving offerings because they brought offerings in abundance. He uh, rebuked them for doing it with the wrong attitude. They did it as if they were enriching God. And God said to them, hey, wait a minute. Do you not realize that I own a cattle on a thousand hills? Everything in the world belongs to me. And then the Lord caps it with a really nice statement. He said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't ask you. Come on, think about it. God was trying to straighten out their attitude when it comes to uh, giving and being a blessing, and especially when you give towards the work of the ministry. You need to do it with the right attitude. Your attitude in giving is more important than the gift that you give. Amen? I said amen. amen. And let's go now to Deuteronomy chapter number 8, verse 18. And I'm going to give you uh, the second reason that would help you give cheerfully. It's going to put a cheer in your heart. This is the Lord speaking to the children of Israel, and he said, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power. That word power is the same word ability, which can also be translated anointing. And here he's saying, it is the Lord that gives you the power. It is the Lord that gives you the anointing to get wealth. But I like how he starts that verse. He says, And you shall remember. 
Because there is a great temptation to forget and think that after all, I'm the one who wrote metric. <laughs> what are you talking about, God? After all, I'm the one who goes to work. But God is saying, I'm the one who gives you the ability, the anointing, the enablement. Man, we have tremendously gifted people in this church. And I'm the first one to always remind them that it's not because of your own ingenuity. It's not because of how intelligent or how smart you are. It's because of the anointing that God has placed on your life. And I'll be the chief to, uh, uh, to remind myself. I'll be right there at the top. Because, man, God is opening up platforms for me and my wife uh, to minister the gospel that I literally have to pinch myself sometimes just to remind myself that I'm still alive and it's not a dream. And how many of you know that God is not doing that because of my own ability? He's doing it because of the anointing that he has placed on my life. His ability. And when you realize that, you will not forget to say thank you. Amen? Amen. I was saying in the first service, it takes just a tiny chemical imbalance for you to go completely crazy. So what keeps you sane? It's God. And guess what? I'm going to say thank you. Man, it changes your attitude around this thing, you know, cheerful giver and so on and so forth, you won't have to crank yourself to be a cheerful giver. You just realize, you know what? He's the one who gave me everything. I'm just a steward, number one. Number two, he's the one who gives me the ability to create wealth. He's the one that brings the opportunity my way. It is because of God. Amen? And when you do that, you'll be able to give uh, cheerfully. Let's go now to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. I'm going to read from verse 7. Thank you, Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse 7. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church uh, at Corinth, and this is what he encouraged them with. Um, I'm reading in the NIV, if you will. It says, but since you excel, that word excel means to be proficient. It says, but since you're proficient or you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of what? I didn't hear that. I did not hear that. He says, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. It's going to make the whole picture complete. Amen? He says, see to it that you're also growing in this area of giving. Here are some reasons why we give. If you're taking down notes, write this down. Number one, we give because it triggers an abundant mentality. We give because it triggers an abundant mentality. I don't believe people are just naturally stingy and greedy and they don't want to give. People always have genuine reasons why they don't give. And, uh, you know, I talk to a lot of people, and the number one reason why people don't give is they tell me, Pastor T, I don't give because I don't have. And the problem with that is scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you think you don't have, you are right. You're not going to have. Amen? There is a connection between uh, the way you re, uh, 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 respond in the realm of resources, the way you react to God's instructions in the realm of resources, and the way you think. Because if you have an abundant mindset, you know that stuff is not running out. There is enough for everybody. 
And guess what? You're not going to be tripped up when someone breathes in oxygen. <laughs> but if your mindset is, hey, oxygen is running out, guess what? You're going to be tripped up when someone else is breathing in oxygen. Amen? Amen? The reason why people don't celebrate others when they get promoted is because they think promotions are running out. They think that opportunities are running out. And it goes contrary to the message of the gospel. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. Nothing is running out. There is enough for everybody. You know what the problem is? The problem is their thinking. It's called a scarcity mind. Africa be the richest continent in the entire world when it comes to natural resources. So what's the problem? The problem is... Africa thinks Africa is broke. And Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks, so is he. So if you think broke, you're going to be broke. Amen? So one of the ways to really have a positive effect on the way you think is to be intentional about being generous. Man, it has to be a decision where you say, you know what, everywhere I go, I'm going to be generous. I'm not going to, you know, just be scarcity-minded. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be intentional about being generous. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give where I need to give and so on and so forth. And when you do, I'm telling you, it triggers something and it opens up doors of opportunities to come your way. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter number 1, verse 4. It's interesting that God, while he was creating the, the earth, he made sure that he created everything else from day one to six before he created man. And then right at the pinnacle, at the end of day six, when he created man, he made sure that he had already created everything that man needed. Just like when he brought you into the earth, God had already made a provision for everything that you'll ever need that pertains to life and godliness. What that means is God has already gone before you and made a provision for everything that you'll ever need that's consistent with a godly living. Amen? I said amen. And when you start cooperating with him by changing the way you think, these things will begin to find you and they will not dominate you. Hallelujah! 2 Peter chapter number 1, verse 4. It says, By which we have, been, we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these promises you may be partakers of the divine nature. How many of you know that we are partakers of God's divine nature? It says, Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. To be a partaker of the divine nature means that the characteristics of God's nature become my own through his creating work in me. We get to partake in our heavenly father's true nature. And God's true nature is generosity. Uh, John chapter number 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. His one and only begotten son. God gave something that meant something to him. Amen. And we have the same nature. We are partakers of the same nature uh, that God uh, possesses. Amen? And this is another reason why we should give. Number three, why we should we give? Romans chapter number five, verse two. Romans chapter number five, verse two. Thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter number five, 
verse 2. We give because it's our faith response to the grace of God, particularly the grace of prosperity. It says in Romans chapter number 5, verse 2, through whom also we have access. Someone say access. It means we now have permission into something. It says we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You are saved by grace through faith. Ephesians chapter number 2 verse 8. We access the grace of God through our faith response. Amen? Uh, uh, Grace is not automatic. Just because Jesus died on the cross for everybody does not mean everybody is saved. Just because Jesus made a provision for prosperity does not mean everybody is going to prosper. Oh, I wish. It means he just gave us permission. And those who respond by faith get to have access into the arena of prosperity. The password that you have to punch in as you get to the door into the grace of God around prosperity is faith. Amen? Amen. I said amen. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse 9. I want to show you something. Thank you, Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse 9. Watch what it says. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was what? Rich. Did you read that? It says Jesus Christ was rich. A lot of people don't resonate with that because they think Jesus Christ was just poor when he was in the earth. You know, they think that he was just poor and he didn't have uh, means to go with. Okay, let's just take up that argument for a minute. If Jesus was poor, how come he looked after 12 grown men for three and a half years? How many grown men can you look after uh, for a weekend? Oh, no, no, forget weekend. For over lunch. No, Jesus looked after them. For a full-on three and a half years. He could possibly not be broke. He went to a wedding and they ran out of wine and he said, I got you. How many up in here? (laughs) Can show up at a wedding and they run out of food. And you say, don't worry. (laughs) I got you. Jesus went and preached to 5,000 people, 5,000 men, excluding women and children, possibly 10,000 people. And uh, when they were, you know, fatigued and hungry, the disciples came to him and said, shall we send them home so they can go to their own houses and eat? And Jesus said, no, feed them. I got this. So Jesus had the means by which he could be a blessing to those around him. So he wasn't poor. But at the cross, he bankrupted himself for a reason. He died naked for a reason so that you could be clothed. That's what this scripture is saying. It says, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And it's for a reason. And I know some of you are really battling with this because you've been stuck on the religious mindset of poverty because you think, all you think about really is you. As long as I can keep up with my monthly payments for my car, as long as I can keep up with my mortgage, man, I'm good. That's the kind of prosperity I want. Man, that's selfish. 
That's terrible. You're not thinking about anybody else. Man, it'll be a sad day if all Tafara is thinking about is Tafara and his belly. Man, I have to have a life beyond my belly. I have to have a life where I can go to the nations and minister the gospel and at least see people's lives transformed and at least get an email from someone from across the pond saying, man, it was your message that touched my heart and changed my life. Then I know I existed for a purpose bigger than myself. Man, if all you're thinking about is keeping up with Vodacom bill per month, man, that's a small dream. You've got to have a bigger dream bigger than that. It's got to be to reach the world. It's got to be to change somebody else's life. It's got to be to lay down your life for somebody else. Amen? amen. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> and this is why God wants us to have a bigger dream, so to, 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 to believe him for more. So that when those around us are running out, we can be a blessing to them. Can I get an amen? Let's go to Matthew chapter number 6 as we close. Matthew chapter number 6, verse 21. I'm going to use the board quickly. Matthew chapter number 6, verse 21. Thank you, Jesus. And here's what it says in Matthew chapter number 6. Uh, verse 21. In fact, let's read it together. I want you to read it with your own mouth so that you, you know it's there in the Bible. Amen. Ready? Read. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And this is what we are teaching on today. I know the title of, of, of this series is The God Kind of Prosperity, but really what we are teaching you is to uh, uh, know how to deal with finances at a heart level. God says in his word, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. God says if you want to know where your heart is, you can literally look at where your money is going and you'll find your heart in that place. So when the pastor gets up and he says, uh, today, brothers, we are going to be teaching about finances. Don't think about this. Don't think about this. You know what this is? This is the dollar. This is the don't think about this or this. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about this. You know what that is? Your heart. Because your heart follows your treasure. Amen? I don't care how you like it. That's just how it works in the kingdom of God. Your heart follows your treasure. I remember Jesus, you know, uh, rebuking a group of people the one time. In fact, it was in the Old Testament. He said, man, they worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. And I wonder, I said, man, how did he know where their hearts were at? I think he looked at the treasure. And he knew exactly where, they were, where their hearts were at. And the reason why God doesn't want your heart in your golf clubs is because he knows golf clubs will break your heart. The reason why he wants your heart in the kingdom is because he wants your heart secured and safe. And he wants everything that Jesus has died for to flow into your life, and it does through the channel of your heart. Can I get an amen? amen. Some of you still don't believe that. You know, you don't believe your, your heart is, is connected to your treasure. Those of you who are married, I give you a challenge. As we finish the service today, uh, those of you who are married, go as you get home, give your wife the check card, the credit card, and just bless her to go shopping. And then stay behind. I can assure you 
that as she walks out of that door, your heart is going to go with her. Amen. Man, you may be sitting at the couch watching rugby or football or soccer or whatever, but I can assure you that your heart is going to be at Santa. Because where your money is, that's where your heart is going to be. Amen. In fact, some of you men who never call your wives, you will call her a record time. You say, hey, honey, I'm just calling to check how you are doing. And just to tell you that I love you so much. When are you coming back home? Some of you have never said that. It'll be the first time you'll ever say, hey, honey, when are you coming home? We want you here. You know why? Because your heart is connected to your treasure. So when God says, take a portion of your hard-earned money and give it to me, it's not a money issue. The reason why you get so offended quickly when the pastor starts talking about money is because you're thinking it's about this, 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 and that. It's not about that. It's about this dude right here. And money touches your heart real fast. (laughs) If you want to make a man angry, touch their money. And so God says, you know what? The thing that's connected to your heart, that's what I want you to give to me. And I know that as you give me that, you're also giving me your heart. And God is doing it so that he can protect you from the hurts that come from putting your trust and your confidence in resources and in things, which he is ultimately going to burn all of it at the end. Amen? So Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Watch what he says in verse 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. And if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. He's talking about a way of thinking. He's saying now, if your way of thinking is in line with what I'm teaching right now, your entire body is going to be filled with life. In other words, your entire life is going to be filled with the light of God. Amen? Because it's not a money issue. Verse 23. But if your eye is bad, or if you're confused about this issue, your whole body is going to be full of darkness. But I like what he says right after that. He says, if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? How can light be darkness? He's saying if what you think you know about money is actually ignorance, you are double ignorant. Because he's saying if you're light, if you're insight, there are some people who just think they're enlightened beyond the Bible. They think they're woke. You know, I'll be walk beyond the Bible. No, you're not. He says if your light is darkness, if your enlightenment doesn't go in line with what Jesus is saying in his word, it's actually considered darkness. But it's not just darkness. It's gross darkness or dense darkness. Man, we need to submit to God's way of thinking. Amen? That's why he said little children enter into the kingdom of God. If we're going to be like little children, we'll enter into the kingdom of God. Amen? Because little children will take you at your word. Now watch what he says and how he closes this verse. Verse 24. This has saved my life so many times. He says no one can serve two masters. He didn't say they will not try. Because there's someone out there reading this verse saying, you know what, Pastor? I'm going to take my chances on this one. I'm going to try and serve both. He didn't say they're not going to try. He just said it's not going to happen. Even if they try, it's impossible. Uh Did you read that? No one can do it. No one can serve two masters. For either you will hate the one and love the other, 
or else you will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot. Someone say cannot. cannot. It says you cannot serve God and mammon. That word mammon means the God of material things. He says you cannot serve God and the God, you cannot serve the true almighty God and the God of material things. And there is a difference. The true, when you serve God uh, almighty, you let him tell you what to do with material things. When you serve the material things, you let the material things inform you on how to respond to God. Amen. And that shouldn't be us. If God says give it away, it should be easy. Man, we should just be generous. This is our true nature. You know, someone blessed me with an iPad two years ago, I think, in Namibia. The iPad that I use now. And it so happened I had an extra iPad. And uh, it had a cracked screen, the iPad that I had before. And how many of you know, know exactly what I should have done with the extra iPad that I had already? Give it away. I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer when you start flowing in this revelation. If you have extra, you give it away. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And then my wife told me, she said, yeah, you're going to give it away, but you can't give it away with a cracked screen. Man, I had to spend on it to give it away. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't too pleased. But I gave it away. Amen? Yeah. This is where God wants us to be, in a place where stuff doesn't tell us what to do. And I sent this one guy in Texas uh, to go buy these shoes for me. I mean, these shoes were clean. These shoes are nice. Air Jordan ones. I mean, this guy went and joined the queue at 9 in the morning. He only got the shoe at 4.30 p.m. Because they released like a limited stock. And I'm looking at this shoe. I haven't worn it in about six months. I'm just looking at it thinking, Lord, man, I need to find some clothes that I can match with this Jordan one. And the Lord said to me, give it away. And the Lord really speaks to me while someone is actually at my house doing something, the person I'm supposed to give away the shoe to. And while I was in the house, the Lord said, give it away. And I just went upstairs and I came down. I said, bro, the Lord said I should give you this thing. I hope it fits. Praise the Lord. And he says, it's going to fit. <laughs> and I was hoping they would say, you know, I don't think it's going to fit, Pastor. You know, just, they said, oh, no, it's going to fit. It is going to fit. <laughs> they took them. Amen. Man, you should be at a place where you're completely insulated from attachment to things. It's going to save you. This is why the Apostle Paul says, I know how to abound and I know how to abase. You know why? Because his mood was not connected to the abundance of things or the lack thereof. His mood was just connected to God. He had dethroned things from being a God in his life. Man, we need to dethrone things to where if your car gets repossessed, praise the Lord. You're not going to lose sleep over it. God is going to give me another one. Man, but for most people, if their car gets repossessed, man, they will contemplate suicide. You know why? Because their heart is in the car. And so when God says, don't put your heart in stuff, it's not because God is just saying it because he's run out of stuff to say. It's because God wants your heart protected. Man, we can't be creatures of uh, 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 dependence on the, on the material things. I mean, we have to be dependent on who God is and our sustenance is God. Not dependent on, you know, what the, the, the world can do for me, what the job can do for me. I'll be honest with you, if that was the reason why I'm in ministry, I probably wouldn't be doing ministry here. 
probably would be across the pond somewhere, and I've had several opportunities to say, hey, listen, we like your type of ministry. Why don't you come over here, San Diego, Dallas, let's do ministry over here. But we don't live based on what we can get out of it. We live based on what we can give into it. And I'm telling you, we get opportunities. We're going to get opportunities that contradict God's instruction over your life, but you can't measure everything based on what it can get into your pocket. I have a lot of young people that come to my office and they say, Pastor, you know, I just got three job offers. I don't know which one to take. And I ask them, which one do you think you should take? And they usually say, I think I should take the one with the most money. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You know why? Just because it's got most money on paper does not mean that's where God wants you to be. Oh, you may as well go into that company and within two months the thing shuts down. What are you going to do? But sometimes God will put you in a, in a job where you're getting the least amount. I know a bunch of people that went to work for Alibaba. They were getting the least amount and they were getting paid their you know, extra uh, salary uh, through what they called restricted shares. And when Alibaba went public, all of them became millionaires overnight. Man, you need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and not just resources apparent. Amen? Amen. I'm telling you. And when we do that, we'll dethrone mammon. He says you cannot serve God and mammon. You're going to have to choose who, who to serve. And when I started walking this way, man, it set me free. It set me free from, from going after stuff. It set me free from, you know, just holding on to stuff. It set me free to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and to let the things that Jesus has already paid for flow through the channel of my heart into my life. I'm probably enjoying the best days of my life, and it's not because of how intelligent I am. It's simply because of what Jesus has done on the cross and obeying his instructions around our relationship with finances. Man, God will open doors for you in places that will literally blow your mind. And I'm a living witness. Some of you know in a few weeks I'm going to be hosting a conference in Los Angeles after my own book called Grace in the Marketplace. And I've had Derek and Sophia Luke, who Derek is a big Hollywood superstar in the U.S., net worth a lot of money, and say, you know what, Tafara, I'm going to do this with you. How do you get God to open such kind of doors? You position your heart to receive from the Lord. Wayne Chani Jr., he pastors a church of over 5,000 in Los Angeles, uh, NBA stars, all kinds of people go to his church. I mean, he has no business signing on to Tafara's conference. But guess what? With God, all things are possible. Man, I've learned to obey God and not material things. I've learned to dethrone mammon, never to serve mammon. We never do anything that we do uh, listening to what money says or material things. We always do listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And when he does, man, he'll open doors for you in places like never before. Some of you know we're on television, TBN, prime time every Wednesday, 9.30 p.m., Sundays, 5 a.m., and in East Africa, 6 a.m., and uh, we're doing all of that absolutely free. God will just bring it to you. He'll just bring stuff to you, just to humor you. Amen? Don't serve stuff. Serve the true almighty God. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. <laughs>